Computer, initialize Holosuite. Star Trek Deep Space Nine broadcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 4, Episode 13, Crossfire. Before we continue, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Absolutely, and as I say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we are awesome. We're a pretty good time. And um, despite anything else that's going on, technical difficulties aside, we actually enjoy doing this show. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I hope you enjoy it with us and can suffer through our issues with us and uh, take away something great from this show. So, uh, <laughs> now, while we do mainly talk about uh, Deep Space Nine, of course, uh, we do try to branch in a bunch of other things, uh, including our own little bits of uh, personal development, personal time, whatever. So, to that end, um, David. How was your week? So, so just to catch everybody up, we actually were not here last week. Um, David was on vacation, and I was just, you know, getting some other stuff together. Um, yeah. David, are you scratching papers? Oh, sorry, I was flipping paper. I'm sorry you heard that. I was just <laughs> fiddling with my hands. <laughs> no, it's all right. I mean, and, and we're live, so it's in there. It's in there yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, how was your vacation? How did things go for you? It was great. So, um, as People probably remember, we live in Austin, Perry and I are in Austin, um, and down in San Antonio, there's a SeaWorld, and so I won some SeaWorld tickets this, the past Christmas party. Um, that's what I did at work. We had a Christmas party, and I made sure to win the tickets this year. Um, the year before that, I uh, put my tickets in. Uh, we, we would do a raffle, and I put most of my tickets in for the SeaWorld tickets for my niece, so I could take my niece and go there. But I put some of my tickets in for the TV, the big, massive 72-inch TV that they were also giving away. Uh, there were two of them they were giving away. And I was like, I'd be dumb not to try for it. So I tried, put some of mine in there, not expecting to win, because, of course, everyone's going to put theirs in. And lo and behold, I won the TV. So that was last year. This year, got the SeaWorld tickets. Uh, so the idea was to bring my brother, his wife, and the two nieces along, uh, one of them who's five and the other who's two. Uh, the two-year-old gets in free, of course. Um, and, of course, I got them back in December. You know, I won them in December. Mm -hmm. And we finally scheduled my, you know, I was, my parents also live in Austin. My sister flew down because now I can make a family thing of the trip. Um, my parents rented an Airbnb for June. So it's summertime, but it's not yet July, August where it's really hot, right? Well, what do you know, as you probably know, Perry, it got up to over 100 this week. Uh, 105 to be yeah. exact. And I yeah, was gonna say was when he said rough. not quite summer, I was like, <laughs> no, nah, it's it's pretty much summer. It's pretty much summer. Well, yeah, for those of you exactly, who don't live but we were Texas, hoping we, that we, we had this weird heat wave that hit us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and unfortunately, that meant that uh, the day of was just a hot day. Um, of course, the two year old is not gonna last very long. 
so my brother and my mom took the two-year-old back to the house, which we got a house that was very really close by, um, with the idea of maybe returning in the evening to do some other things, while the rest of us stayed with the five-year-old and did a few more things. Now, I love my five-year-old niece. She is just the greatest. She's the most adventurous kid you've ever met. Um, she's all riding her, she's already riding her bike without her, with her training wheels, no training wheels. She loves, you know, playing and all that, but she was a real trooper when it comes to rides. Like she wanted to ride the big, scary looking rides. Like she would have gone on the steel eel if, if we had gone over there and they would have let her on. And that thing's, you know, it's a big ride. It doesn't go upside down or anything, but you know, it's a pretty big ride. The, uh, the main one we did that I know was like, okay. I knew she was adventurous, but like this really, really ratchets, you know, confirms it. It's one of those big old uh, boat rides where there's a big drop and then it hits the water and it splashes everything. Mm-hmm. She was all over that. She loved it. We got to the top, and right before we go down, she says, "All right, everybody, hold on." Like she's a pro. Like this is she already knows how to do this. She's done it a million times, as far as we all know. She is having a blast. Uh, she. After we got off of it, you know, you get splashed by being on the boat, but you get better splashed if you're actually at the. The, like the gate on the, the sides on the sides where the boat could splash everybody and so she got splashed twice uh we did the the, the lazy river where you know you get wet because there's like a waterfall at the end and she didn't get hit by the water but i said before we got on like there's gonna be a waterfall at the end so we're gonna get wet and she's like is the waterfall here yet is the waterfall here yet the whole time the whole time we're doing it she's like where's the waterfall where's the waterfall and uh unfortunately she didn't get hit but i did my dad and my sister-in-law we got hit pretty good um but yeah unfortunately the walk back out of the park was brutal because by that point it was like three in the afternoon the hottest part of the day yeah not fun but we saw dolphins, we saw otters, we saw seals, we saw the orcas, um, we saw all the big shows with the animals. And unfortunately, she wasn't quite as into those as we would have hoped, maybe. Um, sometimes kind of hard to see, but uh, it was still fun to see the animals anyway. So. Well, that's good. That's good. I, haven't, yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever been to SeaWorld, any SeaWorld. Yeah. So um, I did go to the zoo. I think there's, is it Houston, I think? Or San San Antonio, also. They've got their the zoo down there. Zoo. Yeah. yeah. I did go to that um, a couple years ago. It was also incredibly hot. And, you know, there's, like, absolutely no cover when you're walking. You know, no shade, no nothing. I don't know who designs zoos and parks and like that. It's just, like, put a, put yeah. a canopy over your walkways because, yeah, you're just you're dying. When you yeah. get a breeze, it feels actually nice because the breeze is just so, one, so nice. But if you're in a area where you're trying to stand around and there's not even a fan to blow you any cool air Whew. man so uh it was a great time we spent you know we were there for four days we only went to SeaWorld one of the four days so the rest mm. of it we were just at the house playing games again the girls loved to play you know hide and go seek and uh there was a pac-man uh video game system on a wall so she, my five-year-old was trying to learn to play pac-man but unfortunately she doesn't have the reflexes just yet <laughs> for a game like that <laughs> um so yeah it was a good time oh that there was a pool at the house we were at so every single time she could and you know, the five-year-old was in the pool um and there was a slide with the pool so we used that so yeah otherwise a great time Oh, we played poker. The, the six adults, we all played poker. I think every night, except maybe one night. And uh, I won every night, so woohoo. You, you got to be careful <laughs> about that winning, tempting fate. You know, you're winning all the trips, the TVs, and uh, poker yeah. now. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, to be, be fair careful. about the tickets, tickets to the sh- uh, everyone wins a prize at our Christmas party, and the tickets mm. to SeaWorld are actually one of the lower prizes. Um, mm. But yes, you're right. Well, the, the thing was is my sister in law is the one who, for whatever reason, seems to always be best at poker whenever we get around to play it. And so the real challenge was taking my sister in law out. And I got her you know, in an all-in situation really early on the first night, and bam, she was gone. She had to buy back in. <laughs> we weren't playing for real money, just for fun, but uh, for reputation. So, uh, But yeah, that was the last week. I did finish uh, Tears of the Kingdom, the new Zelda game, which was a blast. I finally went and fought Ganondorf, the final boss. I do think Ganondorf was a bit of a pushover as the final boss compared to other things that happened in the game. He should have kicked my butt, but because uh, I'm not very good at the combat. <laughs> okay. It's the one part of the game that I'm like, still need to work on my skills. But otherwise, great game, a lot of fun. And then, uh, yeah, I was back at work. And, of course, there's always something at work that, you know, you're gone for several days. You come back and there's something you got to fix. So. Right, right. How about you? What were you up to these last few days? Well, you know, um, as much as I always try to make my weeks very simple, I always inevitably screw that up. So, um, you know, this week was uh, technology, more technology screw ups for me. Um, For those of you who can see us live, you may notice that I'm wearing a new headset right now, uh, one that is sans microphone. I have an actual all impressive microphone setup now, um, which I... I'd actually bought years ago, but then for whatever reason, I just wasn't using it. And um, I had this other set that I got that I had been using in most of our most of our podcast. And uh-huh. I ended up breaking it completely on accident. It was – I really don't actually understand how I did it other than I remember taking it off and I was talking and I was holding on to it, you know. And then I went to put it down and I think I just – wasn't paying attention to how I placed it down and you can't really see over here on the other side of me but I have a lot of my stuff for work over here and there's this weird like ledge where I've propped up a lot of like other materials and that I use for work and I was gesturing wildly while I was talking and everything else and I was just swinging this thing around not paying any attention whatsoever and went to put it down and completely just you know just whacked it just no just the whole microphone end on there, the, the whole part that comes down, just snapped. And just, I was like, <laughs> going to need a new one. Going to need a new one of those. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to explain that to get a new one. But uh, it's it's no big deal. I mean, I've had it for a couple of years now. It was due to get new equipment anyway. Um, also, it was Father's Day. Uh, and then right. we you know, kind of did Father's Week and all that. And... Uh, to that end, to my Star Trek tie-in here, I got a great gift um, from Lynn, who some of you may remember. She was a guest co- uh, co-host that we had on a couple episodes a few weeks back, or actually that was several months ago. I'm saying a few weeks. It was several months ago. Well, she and, she was a part of the part in between seasons three and season four, but I think her episode we actually released uh, after we'd started season four, if I remember correctly, yeah. Does that sound right? No, it was earlier than that. It was definitely part of the season three. She we we released it before we started season three. That's what oh, is that how far back because she is? yes, oh, okay. okay, because she was also kind of our tie-in with uh, the late great Michelle Nichols when we God. did our tribute okay. to her. Okay. So God. anyway, all that to say, Lynn um, got me a great gift for Father's Day. I'm going to give you a little teaser clue for those of you who can see. 
right here, the infamous Cardassian symbol, all right, okay. leading up to the greatest bottle of all time. It's beautiful. Um, this is a bottle of Canar <laughs> from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. This oh, is a I wonderful think... bottle. Wonderful looking bottle here. Yes. Um, as you can see, I've already I've already sampled it. It wasn't just me. My uh, family members also helped me to kind of break this in. You know, nice. Uh, very dark red uh, wine is what it is. Now, if you are familiar with Deep Space Nine, you'll know that Canar when it shows up. While there are a couple of different colors that it shows up in, the one thing that is always um, unmistakable about it is it's a very thick viscous liquid okay um this is not that because i don't think i don't think they could do that but right. the main thing about this that you're going for of course is the aesthetic of the bottle okay and right. um they painstakingly recreated these from the originals that they some that they were able to salvage from the set and then they found the company that originally made these and made more of them. That's great. So, um, yes, yeah, so now I have my official collector's bottle anyway. And then, of course, you can drink it. You can put whatever wine in there you want. Or if you're not a wine fan, you can put, really put whatever you want in there. It's the bottle is the important part. And it's got this right. nice uh, label here on it that is into it. It's like so it's it's like painted on. So you're not going to just be able to peel that off or anything like that. And then you, it comes with two different stoppers. You have like a more traditional wine stopper, like the one that's in the bottle right now. And then, of course, you've got the other one that I showed earlier with the Cardassian symbol nice. on the head. So okay. I, I, I have uh, really enjoyed it. And it actually tastes pretty good. Like, I'm not much of a wine person. Um, don't know about it, but uh, this actually tasted really good to me. Uh, my sister, on the other hand, she knows way more about wine than I ever will. Um, she also uh, enjoyed it and was telling me some other stuff about it, which, again, don't know much about wine. So she was just saying words. And I realized in that moment when she was telling me about it, I was like, this must be how I sound to her when I talk about, like, Star Trek and sci-fi stuff. Right? Because, right. you know, I was like, okay, that's great. Don't know what you said, but okay. Um, so, yeah, I'll be adding this bottle to my collection. I'm a, a growing collection here of... The, from the Star Trek Spirits line. If you are interested in purchasing your own Star Trek Spirits, you can go to that site. That's what it's called. StarTrekSpirits.com. They've got a bunch. There's a bunch of wines. They do everything from a Federation Standard Wine to you can get the Picard Collection of wines. There's Klingon Blood Wine and so forth. Uh, they've got the various whiskeys. Um, Romulan Ale. There's some vodkas ones and whatever. So there's just a bunch of stuff that's really cool to look at and some of them not too bad to you know taste like i've had the romulan ale as well and it will it will knock you down if you're not ready for it <laughs> it will definitely take you out so i'm just kind of wanting to work my way through and get you know an example of everyone and then show that off um other than that between breaking stuff and finding other ways to make things work and then uh drinking obviously i did finally make it all the way through uh, mass effect 2 so now I'm on to the final installment, Mass Effect 3. And uh, let nice. me tell you something. Mass Effect 2 is so much better than Mass Effect 1. And so I'm really looking forward to like going back through Mass Effect 3 now and making all these different choices. Now, I did pick, for those of you who are Mass Effect fans, I did pick uh, the Paragon uh, route in the game this time. Uh, well, most of the time when I played it, I, I found like I was 
more middle middle ground on things but after doing some reading and everything else i really wanted to nail the paragon ending which that's why that was the reason why i went all the way back to the first game because you have to do it a certain way in order all the way through or else it won't work so that's where i'm at and so far i'm i'm batting a thousand now here comes the third game let's see if i can nail the the paragon ending um, at the end of the series so i'll give you that update I also uh, was in the James Corey series, The Expanse. Uh, I'm in the fourth book now, so and I'm digging it. So yeah. we're gonna have our own, you know, we'll, after dark about that later. But um, yeah, uh, trying to get there, trying to catch up on all things. Oh, last but not least, Strange New Worlds is out. Season two is out, and I don't care what anybody says. The second episode of the second season was probably the best episode of Star Trek I've seen in the longest time. Like, I know what I said about the ending of Picard, but when we're talking, well, that was an ending. That was a serious finale. It was a special. This, on the other hand, it felt like a, a classic TNG episode. Like, the writing was great. The acting was great. The points they were making, just great. It felt like it was one of those ultimate you know, kind of Jean-Luc Picard conscious heavy episodes, you know, where he's got to do his moral analyzing and so forth. It was like, it was like that, but without him and without the TNG crew. Um, I, I feel like it was, it was beautifully done. The sets look great. Costuming was fantastic. I, I just loved it. And the, the crazy thing to me about that episode was before it aired, I said to myself, you know, I've noticed I've gotten into a habit of really kind of defending all of the Star Trek shows. And I, I felt like I wanted to make myself like be more objective and be a bit more discerning when watching it so that I can not just be totally fanboy and gushing over the episode. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, try to hold back. I want to reserve and kind of like really just pay attention to, you know, the overall effect of the episode. And having that mindset going into watching it, it still blew me away. It was it was just great. So okay. if you, even if you haven't seen anything of Strange New Worlds, I would highly encourage you to go and watch that episode. It's a great episode. Um, and Strange New Worlds is just, they're doing a lot of things right um, with Star Trek right now. Which is sad in the sense of, as popular as that show is and other Trek shows are, Unfortunately, there was news has broken that certain shows are on the chop block, one of them being Star Trek Prodigy. That was the show that was obviously a Paramount show, but it was on Nickelodeon. It was geared towards younger children, and um, apparently they are, um, it's going to be canceled after the second season. So I'm not sure why. There hasn't really been a, a concrete explanation as to why. Right. Um, there's been talk of them wanting to just kind of get it off of the Paramount platform and then be able to sell it elsewhere. Whether or not it gets picked up and renewed elsewhere is a possibility. But even that's kind of like a little bit of a rumor. All we know for sure is that after season two, there will be no more Prodigy as it stands right now. Okay. That could change, but the official announcement was it was canceled. Um, okay. with Discovery season, the final season also coming out here soon, and then there that being it for Discovery, that's two Star Trek shows that are canceled. Um, there has been talk of now not doing the Section 31 show, but now doing it a Section 31 movie, 
Um, not really sure that's going to take off, mainly because, again, Michelle Yeoh is the kind of focal point of that, and she's incredibly busy right now. I just don't see her having the ability to kind of, like, step in and do and do it. Maybe that's why they're trying to do a movie instead, because the movie would be easier for her schedule than trying to commit to doing, you know, several episodes, several seasons of a show. So, right. um, but yeah, then there's also the talk of the Starfleet Academy show that has, or while it's been reported as being greenlit, there's been no production on it. There's been no announcing of any kind of cast. There's been no movement on that whatsoever. So really only thing holding us down right now until we get new stuff is strange new worlds. And we're already two episodes into a 10 episode season. So there's going to come a time. There's a, there's a void ahead fans. So, uh, <laughs> don't worry. The old stuff is still here. Deep Space Nine will still welcome you. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about all those other things. We are here to talk about Deep Space Nine, and we're talking about the episode Crossfire, the 90, our 92nd episode, right? Yes. Our 92nd, um, probably. Yes, our um, 92nd episode. That is correct. Okay. I know this. I know this is the right number. This is our 92nd episode. Episodes. So we've got eight more, and then we're going to hit the big triple digits. So yeah. Now, did you want to give a recap on this one, or did you want me to? Do I it? mean, Odo's your man. This is an Odo-centric episode. He is. Go so for it. <laughs> for the for the sake of time and brevity, I will sum this up the best way I know how. I'm giving you the high points, which is basically in this episode, Odo not only doesn't catch the bad guy, he also gets friend zoned. That's it. There's your there's your recap. <laughs> by it. Kira, to be clear. I, he, yes, yes. In case you didn't know who. Yes. So now to, to be a little bit more lengthy here, Shakar, who is now the Prime Minister, who we met in several other episodes, comes to the station. He's going to be giving some speeches and trying to, he's basically trying to speed up the timetable for Bajor being uh, uh, inducted into Star, into the Federation. Um, Starfleet is basically like, look, we got a process for this. Well, you're no different from the countless other planets that we've done this with. You're not special. And he's like, yeah, no, but we are. Meanwhile, <laughs> while all this is going on, uh, Odo becomes aware of a plot to kill Shikar, to assassinate him. And so they put the whole station on high alert to make sure that this doesn't happen. Meanwhile, he's also having his various meetings with Kira. And it's becoming very clear that he has an affection towards Kira. He's got an attraction towards her. Uh, so much so that even Quark notices that he's, there's, there's some extra there between him and Kira. Kira obviously has a special connection to Adon, who Adon Shikar, the Prime Minister. As they spend more and more time together, they become closer and closer, up to the point that they finally spend the evening together and become an item. During all this, Odo gets distraught. He, at one point, loses focus, which um, ends in a near-fatal uh, assassination attempt for him, Kira, and Shakar in the um, turbo lift. And Worf is the one who ultimately ends up capturing the uh, would-be assassin. Uh, Odo really has nothing to do with it because he was distracted by his feelings for Kira. And recognizing that he has these feelings for her and recognizing that she does not reciprocate his feelings, he basically decides to kind of like shut himself down a bit and kind of return to this essential distilled Odo out of all of this kind of inner turmoil. Um, Kira is now with Shakar, Odo is alone and sans belt, and Quark has soundproof flooring installed in his roof. So there you go. That's essentially the episode. Um, 
Man, that I, was a quick, yeah. <laughs> quick recap. <laughs> I will say that um, I did not like this episode, and we will get into that later, but that's just me. What did you think of this episode, David? Um, I, I liked it overall. Um, I liked having a very character-focused episode. Uh, back, people will remember when we first started this whole Fire Capes uh, thing. I said I really like character-driven episodes, character-centric episodes. Uh, I think those were great on TNG. And so this is definitely one where Odo, obviously, is the main focus. Um, heavily the main focus. This is not a story where we're following plot, we're following character. The best example of that is that at the end of the episode, Quark says to Odo, I think that Shakar is about to reveal that the Federation has agreed to the shortened timeline, and he's about to announce that. But the episode ends before we hear that announcement. If this was a plot-driven episode, that would have been the climax of the storytelling. He got what he wanted. Shakar, that is, Shakar gets what he wants. They're going to be in the Federation faster or not, whatever. But instead, because it's an Odo-focused episode, the last moment we see is of him walking away when Shakar and uh, Kira come out of the hollow suite after they practiced his speech. So I like that, and I um, I like Shakar. As we said when Shakar was first introduced, uh, I, I wanted him to be the romantic interest for Kira. I think he's a better fit than um, what's-his-face ever was. Varile. Vedic Varile. Couldn't, couldn't think of it for a second. Um However, I do have some critiques about Kira and Shakar. I can save those for the moment, but um, for the moment, I'd say I like it as a character-specific episode. It's very interested in, and we're, we're diving deep with Odo this time, and not as a changeling. This is not about him as a changeling. Yeah. This is about him That's as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. We really see Odo come to a pretty low point. I mean, he, at the end, yeah. is... He destroys his own quarters because he's so distraught over his own behavior. Um, he can't confront his feelings for Kira directly with her because he knows that she's already in a relationship with someone else. It's a strange thing for him to breach. You know, he's not the same race as she is, uh, completely different in all kinds of ways. And it, does it ruin his relationship with Kira? And it's all of the same questions that Shakar asks Odo to help him solve with Kira, because he says the same thing. Would this ruin our relationship? Would it be too much? Or we're already we, friends. Yeah. We've been um, friends. I value her friendship. I don't want to lose the friendship. Maybe exactly. I shouldn't say anything. Maybe I should be patient and wait, which is kind of, we're seeing the parallel between Shakar and Odo here, making right. uh, both of them in a weird way, making them both um, very relatable, uh, right. not just to each other, but to us, because we realize these two individuals are sharing the same kind of thoughts and right. um, Odo even says, you know, when he says, maybe I should just be patient and wait and see. And Odo says, that's what I would do, which right. we know because we've been watching Odo. We know that is what he's been doing. Right. And then when Adon decides to um, Make go the other way, right. right, and decides to strike out and say, on the other hand, maybe a, a, make a move, take a bold gesture. And right. it turns out to be the right thing to do, which leads Odo down that path of devastation even more. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's not, 
it's not that this is a bad episode. My reasons for disliking this episode stem entirely from the fact that I like Odo as a character so much. <laughs> so, and, and I, I didn't see like him. seeing him. I, I didn't like seeing him uh, suffer, struggle, lose out. Right? Yeah. Like he doesn't even come out on top in the investigation. You know, he's so distracted. Yes. Worf yes. is the one who ends up making the the arrest. You know. Right. And and if anything, I, I really love that moment in particular because that's what kind of, you know, you, we, we always use this, the phrase, the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? Right. I feel like that was the breaking point for Odo because he was already distraught about Kira when he came into his office and saw Worf standing there with this alien who was being arrested. And he was completely blindsided. He had no idea any of this is going on. And then he left his office and went to his quarters where he was fuming. And it was just like, not only did he not get the girl, he also didn't get the bad guy. And then he just starts going on a rampage, which also leads me to a side question. Just how strong is Odo? Yeah. Because he smashed all that stuff up pretty easily. Now, I mean, yes, we can say, you know, special effects and it's all plaster and whatever else, blah, blah, blah. But again, in universe, yeah. Nah. That's a good question. Yeah, when he breaks whatever that sculpture is in the middle of the room. Yeah, the, the shape shifting sculpture with all the arches, and he just smashes right through it. Right. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like paste, it is like some piece of flimsy wood. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't really think, I didn't really give it much thought until you said it just now, but that's a great question because, yeah, he smashes the computer console. Yeah. Just like two two going. nice punches, and it's done. And then yeah. he breaks a bunch of, you know, crystal stuff that he's got. But also earlier in the episode when the um, turbo lift fails, we see him change and push out on the walls of the turbo lift and slow it down and eventually stop it. So he's got to be able to exert a lot of force to do this. So, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever really quantified how strong a changeling is, but, I mean, based upon these demonstrations here, I mean, they have to be pretty strong. They must be able to generate considerable power to do uh, what they do. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, he he stops the turbo lift falling. He makes, like, metal... Yeah, like steel pistons or something. Yes. Yeah. And he just he pushes through the metal of the um, turbo lift walls and lets it lets it uh, scrape and break finally. Right. Yes. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, and of course, right before um, you know, Worf is the one who finds the culprit, but earlier, right before that happens, after the assassination attempt. You know, Cisco is is giving Odo a talking to, like, "Hey, you failed at your job. Like, this is after, not acceptable." Yeah, after the assassination attempt, because he says, right. "You know, there's a saying that to err is human, but you're, you're not, not human. human. You're not even humanoid, right. and I've never known you to make a mistake. So, right. what's up? You know?" Yes, and he said, um, "It's personal. I don't want to talk about it." Yeah. And he and and but it never happened again. And Cisco says, "Like that's all I need to hear." That's all I need to hear. Yeah, like Cisco is very forgiving in this moment, and we know that's the kind of guy Cisco is. We know he trusts Odo. We know that he's not the type to hold a grudge. He's not the type to to punish someone un- irresponsibly or uh, punitively without a proper recourse. Mm-hmm. And he's very quick to see the. 
to, to let someone redeem themselves, if you will. Like, uh, yes. I, I made a mistake. I'm going to not do that again. Great. That's all I need to hear. We're going to move forward. Um, but that's why it's also so poignant when he kind of does fail again. He does let his attention of, of Kira drag him back to Kira's quarters, and he relieves an instant so he can stand outside her quarters all night, all night long. And I'm sorry, that's the- got to be the that's got to be the worst thing I've ever heard. Like that was um, one of the moments too that I just did not like. Yeah. He relieves this guy. The guy tells him, you know, they came back to her quarters. They've been in her quarters for the past three hours. Right. He relieves the guy and says he's going to take the rest of his shift. So he's going to stand outside this outside of Major Kira's quarters until Shakar leaves, and then we see that Shakar doesn't leave until the next morning. Right. So he's, you know. So you're just sitting outside the woman that you are, you know, infatuated with, in love with, whatever you want to say, for hours? For hours? Well, really? I remember that Odo needs to regenerate, go into his, you know, bucket after however many hours. Like, it's, did it's he 16 push hours. It? Did he it, push yeah. his limit? Do we, we didn't get that question answered for us. At the beginning of the episode, we saw how dutifully he prepared the room for Kira to show up with her Rock to Gino and how he really enjoyed seeing her enjoy the Rock to Gino um, and how he was devastated when she came in after having uh, had breakfast with uh, Shakar of like, oh, I already had my Rock to Gino with him. Um, yeah, it's it's again. I think it's a good episode because it focuses on Odo, and it's again not about his changeling abilities. We're not focusing on that. Um, I like Shakar as a character. I've liked him in the past. We have the love triangle element, which is a classic storytelling trope. Uh, Cisco yes. responds nicely. Worf, he bonds with Worf early on. You know, neither. Of them oh, that like was having... that was funny. That was funny. Yeah. Neither of them want company. Um, everything in their quarters arranged just so, so that with their eyes closed, they know where everything is. I couldn't do that. I might be able to, like, <laughs> I know generally where things are, but there's right. no way I'd be able to, like, navigate my place with my eyes closed. I would definitely right. be stubbing toes exactly. and so forth. No, no. Right. But, uh, but it, yeah, it, that was a great scene. It is a great scene, but also it's very poignant when Worf is trying to talk to Odo and Odo is distracted and Worf kind of gets mad at him. Like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. you are clearly not paying attention. Like, and then and then Odo says, I'll follow my leads. You follow yours. Like, Odo is burning some bridges here, man. It's it's things are not going well for him in this episode. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's he does that, bond with to that end. Yeah. <laughs> To that, I would say he didn't necessarily burn a bridge with Worf because Worf is a naturally gruff person himself. Right. So I don't think that that's what his his abrupt demeanor. I don't think that was what would have upset Worf. I think Worf was more upset about him not paying attention and yes. not doing his job than right. anything else. Because we all know Worf is very duty oriented. Right. Um, Surprising character development and um, great moments, Quark and Odo. Um, all of their scenes together were were fun, right? It was yes. almost like a friendship between the two of them. You know, yeah. when Odo confiscates the Ferengi listening device that was in the plants and he, oh, sorry, Butterfingers, <laughs> drops it in the thing. Classic, almost like a yeah, younger brother, older brother vibe, teasing him. You know, uh, that was I really did enjoy that particular to, scene. 
I have to say, when Cork reached his hand into that punch bowl and grabbed it out, I was like, <sighs> that man <laughs> did not He's just... always putting his hands in people's food and drink. It's the most <laughs> disgusting thing that he does. The number of times I have watched him <laughs> dip his pinky into a drink, into a sauce, into a cream, and not only lick it himself, but also offer no, his finger. No, offer his <laughs> finger to someone else to taste. Let's look at this delicious frosting. Here, have a taste off the end of my grubby finger. I I, I don't know how they were like get get away from me. Like, exactly. Get away. Right. Yeah. Oh man, Quark is hilarious. But yeah, the the part we haven't mentioned yet is that Odo at some point, I mean, I don't know if it's been forever or if it's just recently that they did this, but Odo has his quarters above Quark's, and that gives him a perfect chance to listen in on Quark, but it also means that Quark is overhearing all of the shape-shifting he's doing when he's practicing his shape-shifting, yeah. including turning into a rhino at one point, apparently. Mm-hmm. So, wow, okay. Um, but when he See, yeah, it's not this- really discussed... I just wanted to clarify that for you real quick because it's not really discussed, but basically what we're seeing here is the evolution of the character of Oda. We know that originally, whenever he needed to revert to his liquid state, he would do so in his little bucket that he kept in his office. He didn't have quarters on the station. He was always in his office. But now, after meeting his people, knowing about other, learning about other changelings, learning about kind of the changeling culture and being you know, more open about being a changeling and shape-shifting and so forth, Odo has now petitioned to have quarters, and he doesn't need to revert to a liquid state and just chill in a bucket for a few hours or whatever. Now he just needs to no longer hold his humanoid form, and he can shape-shift and change into whatever it is. He doesn't just need to be goo for a while he just needs to not be the solid form that he's been holding for him because it's not like i guess like flexing a muscle and you can hold the muscle for so long and then you gotta right. you gotta relax you gotta you let it go and so that's what that's what he does in his quarters that's why he's got all the stuff in there to practice shape-shifting and moving and everything else and then right. he can go about being odo the humanoid again right yeah okay yeah that makes sense yeah he's just having to switch from his current form doesn't have to be goo but something right yeah that makes sense that makes sense that can explain how he may have held his shape longer outside of uh uh, Mm -hmm. quarters um, because he could have just turned into something really quick while he was outside of her quarters or for a while you know he could have been a bit of deck plating he could have been the carpet he could have i don't know he could just done other stuff and uh then just been there right exactly um so the part of the episode I do want to critique is Kira in particular in her relationship with uh, Shakar. Okay. I like Shakar. like him a lot better than Vedic Burial. However, I do feel some of the same problems that Vedic Burial has seeping into Shakar's character. When he goes to Odo and he's all, you know, shy and mild about his attraction to Kira. I mean, it worked for the episode because they were focusing on Odo and it put a it put a a fine point on Odo's feelings. But I feel like the shadow of Vedic Burial was on the scene. Like that's how Vedic Burial might have gone about it. Like, do you think that she would be willing 
to have a relationship with me, like too tiptoey. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I I like the fact that Shakar was a man of action, not a overbearing man of action, but a man of action. Um, but you know, he is a little bit soft spoken. And again, I'm just let me put it this way: I get a lot of similar vibes to Vedic Barile, or at least some overtures. And then Kira is also the same way because when she talks to Odo and she's like, Oh, if you had asked me a year ago, if Shakar and I would have been a good couple, I would have said, there's no way. And I feel like she would have said the same thing about Vedic Barile. Like she was more enamored with the, the position he had, like who he was, not who they were as a, as a couple. Um, as, as two people who are in love or in a relationship. So I hope it changes. I, I, I want, I like, again, Shakar more than Barail. So I, I want to see the relationship continue. Um, I'm sorry for Odo, but for the moment, I like uh, Shakar. Um, there is that awkward problem of how do you date someone who's in a high position of authority, who is also at the same time on the planet? Like, how do you do that long distance authority figure type situation, but whatever, maybe we'll find out more. Um, Mm -hmm. I do like that Shakar went for it and it was successful. Again, I think that makes sense. Um, I like that. Uh, I just, I just, I just don't want it to turn into Vedic Burial 2.0 because I didn't care for the Vedic Burial situation. I want Shakar to be, um, a man of action still. Yes. I I knew you were going to say, I knew you were going to say man of action. I knew I could feel it. Yeah, I want him to. I want him to still be. I mean, I, when he was walking around the station and shaking people's hands, great. I think a, a political leader should do that. But I, Vedic Barail would have done done the same thing. I just, I, I wasn't clear about how he's different from Vedic Barail in those moments. Yeah. Not that, not that they can't be similar. Obviously, I, I don't want. It's kind of hard to say sometimes, I, but. Just the overtones felt similar. Yeah. So that's no, what I, I agree because when we're first introduced to Shakar, he's a very dynamic individual. You know, right. he is this former rebel resistance fighter who's, you know, back to fighting once again, trying to eke out his living in this harsh environment on Bajor. And now he's going up against Kai Wen and, and all this stuff and he's winning. Right. And he's, you know, he's kind of soft spoken and understated, but he's effective. He's a leader. And, right. and, and, obviously as a fighter and so we like him this way right now we're seeing him as this you know politician he's the prime minister he's kind of an ambassador of sorts because he's representing all of bajor to the federation board that's going to decide membership so right. all of these other races are judging the entirety of the bajoran people based off of him as their elected official right. So right. yes, he is. He is toned down. He's softer. His adjutant or whatever the guy's name is, his chief of staff, who's right. kind of flittering about. You know, it. Um, I, I get what they were trying to do and trying to invoke like a different tone with him, a more stately tone. Right. But considering what we had seen of him before, and especially what we had known of other Bajoran fighters like uh, Tana Los, the Konma um, refugee fighter, you know. It, it, I think it was too much of a change. I think I would have enjoyed seeing some more scenes where uh, Adon was struggling with being the stately individual, right? right not so, yeah. not so tired and resigned to it, but now he's putting up a different kind of fight, being the kind of you know, 
I, this is who I used to be. This is what I'm comfortable with. They're going to have to adjust to me, which is right. kind of how we saw Kira in the beginning too. She was very right. fiery and she was, you know, in Cisco's face about things and not, not letting up. And you kind of had to watch Cisco earn her right. softness, Respect. you know, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. And, earn, yeah, yeah. and earn that compassion, you know, and uh, we don't really get to see that with um, Shakar, which is a bit of a loss. But again, he's not the focal point of the episode. I right. think this would have worked better. And we say it a lot. Would have worked better as a two-parter. But one of those ones where instead of it being, again, you know, Crossfire Part 1, Crossfire Part 2. But maybe like earlier on in the in the season, we had seen an episode where we were watching Shikar kind of struggle with this. And Kira having to coach him to a degree and maybe even an unexpected, unexpected relationship, uh, friendship blooming between him and Cisco and, and Cisco kind of giving him some pointers on, you know, cause Cisco's had to step into a new role as well. He's right. going from, you know, commander to emissary and so forth. I mean, we never really see, actually we never see Shakar and, um, Cisco interact with each other. Other than the so, opening when they come yeah. to the station. Yeah. So it's it's very it's a very brief thing. So like to have that, I think you know at some point, and then you know do their intermittent episodes, whatever, and then to come back to that when we're right. talking about admittance into the Federation, and everything else, I think that would have helped this story, give it a bit more depth, and right. then you could still do the Odo focus of the story, but then we wouldn't have minded so much the lack of Shakar in this one because we saw right. him early. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, what you were saying just now really put it home for me. Uh, you said stately figure, I think is the phrase you used. Yeah. Uh, Bedek Burial was used to being a stately figure. The hands folded, the calm, the advisor, yeah, the, mm -hmm. the man who's asked questions and gives calm responses, who is a spiritual He was leader. annoying. He was a no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Shakar in this episode seems to have acclimated to that same type of stately position too quickly. And yeah. the point where he says to Odo, oh man, I'm starting to think that being the prime minister is harder than being a military leader ever was. Ha ha ha. That's kind of funny, but it was delivered to... Uh, dryly is it is that the right word it's, it's yeah and i mean it comes off feeling a bit um contrived a bit yeah, stagnant it was, forced. I, it was yeah, a forced it's, moment it's one of those things like i honestly feel like we could probably find examples of that that kind of dialogue about the previous job being the easy job right I think we could probably find that in multiple examples in tv and movies and whatever else right. oh i'm a I'm admiral now, but I remember when I was the major and I, you know, that was much better than this and whatever. Right. No one believes it. Like, no right. one ever believes it. It's, it's a so cliche no. even outside right. of Star Trek. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So, that, so that, I, that, I don't like it for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The moment felt forced from the character and from the storytelling perspective. And I, I understood what it was trying to do. It was trying to say this is a hard job and trying to negotiate with the Federation. But because all of that is back is the, is the scenes happening behind what we're watching. We're focusing on Odo and what he's experiencing, which is not about the Federation negotiations. Um, those moments come off as flat, um, especially because we're not really seeing how are the negotiations going? Are they really that hard? We don't mm -hmm. really get an insight mm -hmm. into that. And so I feel like the Shakar uh, 
the, the Shakar relationship with um, Kira. Kira, goodness gracious, <laughs> was uh, a bit. Um, I, I think it it had to it had to suffer a bit to make room for Odo. So yes, a yeah. two part episode might have might have worked there for that reason. Um, and I think and, I, and another reason why I think that a two parter would have been better. And again, not back to back, but like. You know, I understand why, you know, they did the episodes they did for the opener of season four to get warp and everything else. But if they had done this to where, like, this was the first part and we saw Kira maybe having to go to Bajor to meet with Shakar to help him and prep him and then to watch their relationship kind of change. Because even Kira says it. She's like, there's no mystery here. He seen right. me when I haven't showered for a week. We've huddled together for warmth. We fought. Right. We've done this. We've done that. Like... To see this sudden switch, and it seems like it's just been a matter of days, it also kind of rings as false here. But if we had seen this as, like, something that was at least started, you know, let's say a couple of weeks ago, right, for the sake of timeline, if it was started elsewhere and then, you know, kind of mentioned throughout other episodes where she talks about, oh, she went back to... Bajor and she's met with Shakar and oh he surprised me he came to the station and did this or you know little things that kind of indicated that their relationship was slowly changing and then right. for the final crux of the change to happen on the station under this threat of the assassination would have played out yeah would have played out better for everybody uh, better for Odo better for her better for Shakar yeah maybe I I I do like that it's all within this one episode that Shakar and, Sh- and and Kira get together in the sense that, again, the man of action perspective, because I feel, again, like the, the slow burn would have been a more Vedic Burial type way of doing it. I like the fact that he goes for it. I just wish uh-huh. that the character had come off more as, all right, I'm the prime minister, I'm taking this role on, and I'm, I'm going for it, or man, I I took this role on in kind of the spur of the moment, and it is a lot, and I'm struggling. Yeah. Something. Or, uh, or I guess because I, I've watched a lot of political dramas and I've seen that both of those play out, I right. think I would have liked something that was been more of a... Um, I took on this role with the intention to do it my way, and I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. And then to watch everybody kind of have to like figure out how to do things... Like a great, great, great way yeah. of doing it is like for the last four years, I have watched and I have seen the the political leadership of the Bajoran people struggle to make headway in important ways in the aftermath of the Cardassian invasion. Blah blah blah. We have struggled. We've had coups. We've had problems. I am getting this in order, and I'm going to make it happen. And I need the Federation to back me up that they are ready and willing to say that we are a culture that can join. And that they can expedite the process and like be there, like a great. Yeah. I think I think a lot of this would have been solved, like that moment where he's walking in the promenade, shaking hands, going to the the temple to pray. If he had given some sort of impromptu speech, something like, you know, I'm I am very happy to go to the Federation and really fight for us to join. They have been here on the station for the last several years, and our relationship with them has been solid. We've worked together. Uh- something. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you mainly because there's a, a, a thing that Kira says when when uh, Adon is coming to the station. And she says, I hope he's gotten better at public speaking. He used to mumble through yeah. mission briefings. So if he had gone and, you know, and, and so our expectation would be this guy, 
And even his his chief of staff is like, tell people this, tell people that, and remember, enunciate, speak. Like yes. he's telling him the same thing. Right. So then to have him like stop and give an impromptu, passionate speech about right. the changes that he's making and why he's making them and why he so fervently believes in the job that he's doing and to and to deliver a speech like that and deliver it well i think right. that also would have been like wow okay right that is, he's still the shikar that i like he is the leader he's the passionate man of action but now he's stepping into this new role he's embracing it fully and he's bringing his traits into the role not grudgingly painstakingly pulling himself along do it i agree with you he should have given a speech and and nailed it just drove it home i'm talking 100 percent west wing jed bartlett that thing and just uh yeah. give me a give me a great yeah. speech exactly give and, me a jed bartlett me. moment yeah 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 i really i just yeah i felt like shakar i've said it already i felt like shakar wasn't quite giving the umph that I want yeah. for him as a leader and to really drive home why he is a better romantic partner than Vedic Braille was to Kira. And even yeah. maybe better than Odo. I mean, if part of the episode is, is that frankly, Odo, because of who he is, he's just not the ro- He's just not the type. Well, Unfortunately, that might be something that Odo, I mean, there's still plenty of show left to work through. Um, yeah. Still not even at the halfway I mean, point, but I think that's I think that's also kind of the point of the episode too is to show that while Odo has changed a lot, there's still a lot of growth that he needs to have. You know, right. he had this kind of notion of what a relationship would be and how to make it so, and it's through watching Kira with Shakar that he realizes a lot of what he was doing was, you know, just inadequate. He's fixing his office just so he's got her coffee ready and positioned so she can come right in and grab it and they can start their meeting and he's delighted when these things happen when she ticks the box you know she comes in she sits down he's got her chair positioned just right he's got all these things ready to go for her and he's delighted like we saw him his face lights up the smile all of it he's even watching as she takes a sip of the of the ractagino is she enjoying it like and he's so happy when she ticks off those things that to me does not speak romantic love that's more like watching your pet perform (laughs) <laughs> and she she did the things, you know, and then that also kind of to me leans into the question or not oh. the question, but the statement that he made about control and order and find order where you can. And that's exactly what he's done. He has ordered a perfect scenario for himself that he can get enjoyment from and he's getting a lot of enjoyment from it. I don't think he knows how to really have a relationship because as far as we know, he's never really had a romantic relationship with right. anyone at this point. So, yeah, there's a lot of growth for him that he still needs to have before I feel like he will be ready to be the the kind of partner that Kira would want and respect. Right. Yeah, and that's that's really my point is um I like the idea of Odo realizing that for example, romantic relationships are humanoids version of the what is it when the when the the, the great link the great link gets it when the great link is all the changelings you know humanoids don't have that but they have a, a miniature version of it which is relationships and so he could maybe experience something like that he has that that real deep desire to join the great link 
Uh, he thought maybe Kira, who had been with him when he went to that Changeling's home planet, maybe with Kira he could find a small version of that. Uh, she's the only person he feels he could ever really, truly share that with. And um, he he feels like he's lost that chance. I wish he would express something like that. I don't know, maybe in the future, maybe that's how the character will express it. Uh, I hope so. That's just me predicting something there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I, I think... I've... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Odo's... His his issue is definitely expression. He right. he does not do it well, and that kind of intensely introverted nature is ultimately his downfall here. You know right. he's he's so kind of closed off from exp, you know ex, expressing himself with her and really kind of with anyone. You know that um, it's obviously leading to kind of this this stunted understanding of relationships and also what he needs and it's now you know once he kind of has that devastated breakdown moment he's in his quarters you know everything's broken his hair in front of his face yeah um (laughs) you know um interesting thing about about that we'll talk about that in a minute um but yeah he's having this broken down moment here uh it's only then that he realizes that what he what he had with kira was truly not enough and it wasn't just the fascination or the infatuation or anything like that it was like what what quark says when he's looking at him he's like you really were in love with her because there was it became more it it was it was less that object of infatuation that there was something else that was missing in his life that he wanted with her and now seemed completely out of reach right um there's a scene in the most recent episode of silo I'm up to episode six, though this upcoming week the finale of season one's coming out, so I'm looking forward to that. Ten episodes. It's a great show so far. Again, Silo on Apple Plus, or Apple, whatever they call it. Um, There's a moment where the main character is talking with her lover, boyfriend, and um, she says to him, I like seeing you happy. I like, you know, it makes me happy to see you happy, basically. Um, mm-hmm. and that's really how I feel Odo was in that opening scene with that, you know, with the, with the rack to Gino and all that. So I, I think I watched, oh, that was, that was your take on it was that he was happy seeing her happy. Right. And I, I try to remember which I watched first. I watched this episode first. Or I watched that first. I think I watched this episode first and then I watched Silo after last night afterwards. So anyway, um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I feel for Odo. I mean, I, I. When I was talking, I think it was last time, about how if the changelings were trying to experience individuality, but they're the type who also, you know, like to mimic things, what does it mean for Odo to be an individual? Um, like, this, this really kind of nails it home. Like, Odo has been kind i mean he's not like he had no no definitive character or anything but no we we learn a lot more about him as an individual in this episode and i i like that a lot i like episodes like that um again it really sucks because this will, is kind of a I bad will give episode it to you. Him, yeah i mean i will give it to you we we learn a lot about oda but my objections to this episode are that a lot of the things that make you kind of like him in the first place are all diminished behind this kind of love-struck, love-sick individual. Okay. And I guess that's, that's been that's a 
that to me is another cliche that love weakens us all. You know, mm. we, we see this a lot and I, I've never enjoyed it. I don't understand why that would be like, I don't, I, um, yeah, that's a good point. You know, it, it's, and I mean, it's like, a, it, it's not even a, a weakness of, um, you know, like a, a mental lapse, a one off or whatever. It's like, they completely forget who they are. He yeah. almost gets them killed because of his distraction. He's right. also not listening to Worf, who's giving him valuable information with, you know, yes. as another form of distraction. He's right. he's rougher than normal with his personal belongings, with other people around him, all because he's experiencing these romantic feelings. And I just didn't like it. He's yeah. always been he's always been in control. He's always been kind of in the know, and the guy who's got kind of like the last you know, trick up the sleeve, whatever, in right. most of the situations, you know, it's very hard to get the upper hand on Odo, and yet, all of a sudden, he is laid bare by this notion of love, and I just didn't like it. Um, yeah. I, I like Odo, I like the character of him, and I like when you, if you can kind of remove that aspect of the story, and just focus on the fact that this is about his growth, this is showing us that there is still a lot of growth for this character that needs right. to occur. Then right. yes, I, I will a hundred percent agree with that. And I can enjoy this episode, but when you want right. me to focus on this character who I have grown to appreciate for being clever, for being thorough, for being um, supportive, for being, you know, kind of this, this wall, right. Of right. unfailing ability Right. And you take all that away for no reason. Right. That's where I'm like, you know what, I don't really enjoy this. That's a good point. Yeah, Odo is, I mean, he, yeah, he is really, really, really affected by this whole thing. He doesn't, he gives the code too quick. He doesn't go after the the villain or the the, the perp. He, yeah, he like loses himself this episode. Even the hair comes undone, which... Odo is a simulated person. He is a shape right. How does that even happen? So right. how did the hair come in then? So now the, the thought is that he is so out of sorts by all of this stuff that his normal ability to control himself and present his appearance is off. And right. that's why the hair is out of place. But, I mean, while I, I like that, I kind of like that detail, it also just screams to me, like, again, you were... You were made weak. You, the thing that you've literally been practicing for an unknown number of decades. We don't know how long you've been, you know, doing all this. All of a sudden, you can't do it as effectively anymore. Like, that right. shouldn't that be, like, the equivalent of muscle memory? Almost right. like instinctual, assuming that shape. So it should and, never be really off. Right. And And wouldn't it be more natural for Odo to more lean into his detective, find the perp sort of personality as opposed to lose it over the course of like a 24-hour right. period? And like how many just, times have we yeah, how many how times many... has he just sat outside a room pining over a woman? This right. is the first time. Now, on one level, it's like, okay, we're seeing a new side of Odo. Okay. But their side is, as I think you're pointing out and why you don't like the episode – is it undermines who Odo has been all this time? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I don't understand. I don't like when they kind of make characters that they they make hints at them being multifaceted, and then they screw it all up by saying, "Nope, they're either one or the other." That's it. We teased right. you, but right. we lied. 
So yeah, it would yeah. almost make more sense when he found out about the ensign being outside the the quarters for him to like at that moment instead of letting Worf go find the guy and him being there all night long. Like at that moment, he goes detective hard. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I agree. Right. He should have he should have rounded the corner because he we knew then he was going to see Kira. And right. in our heads, we were thinking, oh, great, he's finally going to do it. He's going to summon up the courage. He's going to go and confront her. He's going to tell her how he feels. And, you know, we're going to see the fallout. That's great. And then right. he rounds the corner. The guy's standing there. He finds out why. He's devastated all over again. But instead of shutting down and standing there like a pillar, he right. says, all right, then the other thing. I'll do the other thing if I can't. Right. Be in love, I can be the detective. And right. he goes and he gets his man. That's yeah. how that should have ended. That's yeah, absolutely how that should have ended. I won't let Cisco be disappointed in me. Of all, if I, yes. if I can't have Kira, I certainly can't let Cisco. I can at least do my job, right? If I can't or, have her, I can at least have my job. Or maybe he goes to Worf and we get a more bonding moment between the two of them where Worf is like, got a good lead. Like, I'll follow my lead, you follow yours. And he's like, you know what? My lead didn't pan out. Worf, what do you have? And Worf's like, I got a great one. And they go and they figure yeah. it out. And, and then yeah. like it's, it comes down to, you know, Worf has kind of cornered the bad guy, but it takes Odo's knowledge of the station, his obviously his unique, you know, morphing ability, and just, you know, getting the job done that right. secures the arrest. So a nice yeah. team effort between him and Worf to get it done. That would have been great, too. What I would have done if I were to fix this episode is he, instead of getting the instant to go away, that's when he goes to his quarters and that's when he breaks things because he's failed. You know, Kira's now out of his hands. Not because later in the episode, Worf finds the guy and that humiliates him. No, that's the moment he loses it. He goes, he destroys stuff. Cork comes up, gives him the same speech as he did. But um, Odo picks himself up, goes and finds Worf, does his job, proves that he can do his job well. Worf and him are a great team, and they always will be. That's why they're going to be fun together in the future. And then at the end of the episode, we get Odo not pining after um, – yeah, we, we shouldn't have him a pining. Little, a, he's a little wistful about Kira, but there's a new prospect of greater friendships with Quark and Odo. Or no, Quark and, and Worf. Uh, Worf. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Um, and Cisco is like, that's the constable I always do, right. something like that. And and he, and it would have been a great tie-in for Cisco to win the betting pool that, that Odo would have got. got oh, that's man. perfect. That would have been a great tie-in there, too. Yeah, yes. and, then, um, and then finally, the last moment would have been of um, uh, Vedic, not Vedic Brile, um, Shakar, coming Shakar, out First Minister. and giving his speech. And Odo is standing there proudly in charge of security. He's he he might have failed at his job, but he got his man quickly. He's he won't let a man out get away. Um, he stands there proudly next to Shakar, and we can see that he he glances over at Kira, and we can see he's still pining for her. A little he a looked, little wistfulness. Yes, he looks yeah. he looks down. He looks away. He looks a little sad. But the episode ends with him standing proudly in his position, um, doing his job. That's maybe how yes. I done it. Of course, I like always having happy endings. And That's one of my problems with storytelling. Whenever I try to write stories, is I I, I can't give my my characters tragedies and I can't give them bad endings. Yeah. And <laughs> as you know, I don't have that problem. 
I love well, making people have terrible you things You and I got to get them. together and write something, man. <laughs> that, again, is my problem. Oh, man. Uh, nothing nothing better to me than to have everybody not just like lose, but lose big. I'm talking <laughs> scorched earth. Just how far down can I bring you? And then just leave you. I'm just going to yeah. leave you there. There's no yeah. redemption. That's it. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean... There are some shows that have done that, and to to speak of that point, I will say like if you if you really want to watch some shows that have some like bittersweet endings to episodes, Farscape, the early '90s sci-fi show, does it better than anybody else. So many of the episodes end with you going, "Oh my god, like why? Why did you make me care about this character?" You know, like that was that was their thing a lot. So um, yeah, if you want to want to hurt yourself a little bit go and watch it um but yeah okay, well uh any final closing thoughts on crossfire i still think it was a good episode i'm i'm i still overall i uh, thought it was a good one um i think it has some flaws some some things i'm concerned about and again if i were to rewrite it i'd rewrite it a certain way but that's only after having talked about it for an hour you know well yeah, yeah. and it's also we're we're looking at this from the you know that 30 year lens you know and we've exactly. seen so many other shows and movies and sci-fi and everything else and we're definitely influenced by those things so i'm gonna i'm still gonna give it to him i think that they put together an overall good episode not a personal favorite of mine for the reasons that i've already stated here but yeah i mean it's not i'm not gonna say don't watch this one i'm just saying for me these are my hang-ups right exactly but yeah other than that looking forward to seeing this develop um I mean, we have so much more to go through. I imagine there's a lot that will happen. We really now, do. Right? I mean, <laughs> season four is just kind of, you know, the crazy tipping point, you know, and we're yeah. we're just getting into it, you know. Um, that's why I love this season so much. It sets up so many things that we're going to hear about and, and see develop throughout the next uh, three seasons. So, uh, yeah. Uh, for you who's never seen it before, I will say strap in. For everybody else who has seen it, just say keep <laughs> watching. Rewatch with us. And yeah. come and, you know, uh, enjoy it. And if you have any questions, comments, anything you want to throw at us that you picked up that maybe we missed or should discuss more, feel free to drop a comment somewhere. You can do it on uh, Facebook. You can do it on the YouTube page. Uh, we don't we don't mind. So, yeah, yeah go for it. Uh, just remember, of course, as always, be polite because we'll just delete it if it's not. So <laughs> that's all. Um, but as I say every single week you can find us and follow us anywhere that you do your various social medias except for Twitter we still haven't figured that one out yet so don't blame us blame the higher ups who control the Twitter algorithms um, in the meantime you can also um, listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts I happen to do it on Spotify and uh, until next time guys take care of yourselves thanks guys